Spring is in full swing, and summer is just around the corner. A great time for a beach getaway at the Oceanfront Boardwalk Plaza Hotel in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. Enjoy the best of oceanfront accommodations and amazing dining right on the beach, both with great views of the ocean and boardwalk. Enjoy a soak in the heated indoor spa pool, or book the adults-only concierge level and relax in the rooftop hot tubs. Book online at boardwalkplaza.com or call 800-33. Beach. Thanks to the Boardwalk Plaza for being the Bridge Podcast Network sponsor. Welcome to If You Really Knew Me, a place for honest conversations about the Enneagram to inspire better connections with others, ourselves, and God. I'm Kim Willie, and I'm joined by my co-host and friend Ben Sarles, who is a certified Enneagram coach here to help us understand all things Enneagram. By learning what motivates us and how we see the world, we can connect with those we love and care about on a greater level. We're so glad you joined us today and we hope this is your journey to better relationships. So we started uh, the If You Really Knew Me podcast about a year ago. And uh, since that time, we've probably only gotten a couple of questions about whether Christians should use the Enneagram or not. Um, And and maybe people listening right now have have some of those questions. So today we're going to dive into that topic and discuss Christians and the use of the Enneagram and we have a special guest to help us with this topic today, Tyler Zach, who has gone in depth um, in research on the origins of the Enneagram when you have a biblical worldview. And Ben, if you could share a little bit about um, him as well. I would be- love to. So Tyler is a husband and a father and a co-lead pastor at One Hope Church, and that's in Omaha, Nebraska. He is a conference speaker, Enneagram coach and trainer. Tyler, welcome. Hey, it's great to be here, and I love the topic, so I'm excited to to chat with you guys today. Awesome, awesome. We're so glad you're here, and I cannot wait to hear your perspective, but first, can you just tell us a little bit about your family, your story, and obviously, your Enneagram type? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so yeah, Omaha, Nebraska, grew up around some cornfields, (laughs) and uh, came to the city, to Omaha, to go to college. Uh, I'd grown up Catholic, and uh, we started going to a little Baptist church in high school, and I got involved in a campus ministry after sort of joining fraternity and and uh, partying and living that lifestyle for a couple of years, and then came to Christ through a campus ministry, Campus Crusade for Christ. Now it's called Crew, and I loved it so much that I went on staff with them for about nine years uh, here in Nebraska, and then two years at K State, uh, and then I got invited by a friend who had just planted a church to come back and be a pastor here in Omaha, and so I did that in 2014. I've been pastoring for about nine years now, and uh, just a couple years ago, we merged with a multi-ethnic church, and so I co-lead with an eight. I'm a three, type three, and my co-lead is an eight, and so One Hope is a multi-ethnic church in a really diverse part of the city here, and so it's really a beautiful story. Uh, I've been married for 16 years uh, and have two kids, both adopted, and so we love sharing our adoption stories. Uh, so that's been a huge blessing in our life. And yeah, I've been an Enneagram coach for about five years now and uh, have loved using my type three achiever to write books and coach and try to empower people uh, to <laughs> empower people the best that I can. So it's been an awesome journey. So cool. I know we were chatting earlier. We're both threes, which is wonderful, but I'm a wing two and you're wing four. So that makes us just a little bit different mm-hmm. in the way we see and do things and our motivation. <laughs> Um, so what I want to know exactly what led you down the journey to research the Enneagram? I found out my old church was using it and they have a pretty high bar for doctrine. So I'm like, oh, that's interesting if they're using it, 
you know, obviously it's been filtered and, you know, they, they're okay with it. And so I decided to look into it, even though it looked like a pentagram a little bit. And uh, so <laughs> I started studying it and I, I just Googled gospel Enneagram just to see what came up on YouTube. And I found a guy by the name of John Fouché uh, and he is a Enneagram coach and he was coached uh, by uh, your Enneagram coach, same as you, uh, Ben. And yeah. so he, he, he taught me the Enneagram and he's, he was a pastor himself. Uh, he recommended Marilyn Vansel's book, Self to Lose, Self to Find. So that was sort of the first distinctly Christian Enneagram book uh, that I read. And then I went on to read The Road Back to You and a bunch of other books. Now I have over 20 books <laughs> in my library. Uh, yeah, so I got into it and I became a certified coach through John Fouché and have been using it uh, ever since. Awesome. That is awesome. Let's talk about how you decided to research the origins of the Enneagram. Um, what did you decide your research process would be and what sources did you turn to for research? Yeah, like I, I said, I read Marilyn Bansell's book, which was very helpful. Uh, just going through John's certification process helped me to understand it through, with a, through a gospel lens. And so really I, I went to somebody that I trusted uh, to, as a, as a newbie, you know, to the Enneagram, I just went to somebody I trusted, uh, to learn it. And the, the way that he explained it, uh, was, was, uh, just re resonated with me. And, uh, so yeah, I guess the basic uh, gist of it is found somebody that I trusted and, uh, got some resources from him and just started from there. That's awesome. So what did you find in your research about, the roots of the Enneagram? Yeah, great question. So some Enneagram authors have claimed that the Enneagram started as a Christian tool, uh, you know, back from the Desert Fathers and Mothers, uh, but there just isn't a lot of clear evidence uh, for that. Uh, the, the first mention of the Enneagram that we know of is was by a Greek-American philosopher named Gurdjieff, uh, and then there was a Bolivian-born uh, man by the name of Oscar Echazo who kind of took what he learned and expanded on it, uh, seeking to connect the Enneagram to the area of personality. And this is really recent. So this is 50s and 60s, 1950s and 60s. Uh, and Gurdjieff was just right before that. And he was really, he, he was living when Freud was coming up with personality insights and, and discovering certain things that, that mm -hmm. you know, our culture really latched on to. Uh, so this is all very recent stuff. This is not, you know, the Enneagram being passed down uh, through the ages. You could say that the Enneagram was really, uh, Enneagram of personality was really started in the 1950s and 1960s. Hmm. Um, and one thing to point point out is that Gurdjieff, when he used the Enneagram diagram, so that's the first time we in history that we were able to see the Enneagram diagram, uh, he was not into creating it for personality uses. Uh, he did not create hmm. it as a personality tool. Uh, the, the Enneagram diagram, uh, is sort of a universal symbol to Gurdjieff to apply everything to life to. It's, uh, he was actually taking musical octaves and placing it around the Enneagram. Uh, so he was using it for all kinds of purposes. He saw it as sort of a universal template by which we could understand all of, of life. Uh, so, so again, that's a huge thing to point out is that the Enneagram was not a personality tool to Gurdjieff. Wow. Uh, he did th the closest thing that he got to was creating chief features, uh, around the Enneagram, the nine points. And so he would, uh, you know, 
you know, say a chief feature of somebody is, is that they lie a lot <laughs> or, you know, they're very negative, but you can sort of go around it into the different nine points and, you know, kind of take on that, that some of those qualities. So you weren't one of those points. Uh, and so then when Echazo got a hold of it, the interesting thing is, is that he never called it the Enneagram. Uh, he called it the Enneagon, which is just sort of a generic nine point diagram. Uh, and then he started taking that template from Gurdjieff and he started applying his personality insights in the 1950s uh, over this nine point diagram, which he called the Enneagon. Uh, and then he uh, taught it to a guy named Claudio Naranjo uh, from Chile. Echazo uh, uh, taught him for a number of months. And, and then Naranjo sort of picked it up in uh, the 1970s. Um, I think the early 70s is when Naranjo started to, uh, to teach it. And Naranjo uh, was not sort of some crazy occultist guy that, that people say he is. Uh, he was actually trained uh, in Ivy League schools in the U.S. Uh, so, you know, he was, um, I think, at Berkeley and a number of other prestigious schools. And so he was a medical doctor. Uh, he was trained by well-known people like Paul Tillich, uh, Karen Hornay, uh, some people like that. And, and so as he was formulating the Enneagram, he was taking insights from Freud. He was taking insights from Carl Jung. He was taking insights uh, from Carl, uh, Karen Hornay uh, and sort of putting these things together and, and, and creating what he calls the Enneatypes. Uh, and again, it's it's uh, important to point out that uh, that Naranjo never called it the Enneagram as well. He called it Enneatypes. Again, distancing himself from that universal template uh, that Gurdjieff uh, created. When Naranjo got, got a hold of it, he started to teach it to a number of students, and some of those students were Jesuits. Uh, so fra Father uh, Robert Oakes picked it up from Naranjo, and then Father Robert Oakes went and taught it to the Jesuit School of Theology, uh, which is where uh, Jesuit Don Riso heard it. And then, you know, Riso went on to, to co-found the Enneagram Institute in 1997. Mm -hmm. uh, and then there was sort of a another wave of books kind of later on, a few decades later. So in 2016, Suzanne Stabile and Ian Cron wrote The Road Back to You. Uh, Jeff and Beth McCord came out with their book. Uh, or, or started actually started uh, your Enneagram coach in 2016. So there's a lot of writing that happened, uh, you know, in, in around 2016. And so we're kind of writing the, the wave uh, from those resources. So that's just a little bit of kind of the history of the, of the origins. There's a lot more we could say, but for the sake of time, I'll just leave it there. That's awesome. I have some things I could share about the objections that I've heard and, and how to respond to those objections, but just wanted to see what your guys' thoughts were on the, the history. Yeah, that would be great um, whenever you have pushback from it. And I I try to steer, steer people to the research that you have done, but I'd love to hear what kind of pushback and then how you respond. Yes. So sometimes people like to pick on certain figures or authors of the, that have written on, on the Enneagram. Uh, so like Richard Rohr would be one of those uh, claiming that, you know, he's a universalist. He's not really a Christian. 
I just go back to the the idea that he's not the originator of the Enneagram. You know, as you read authors, they're all going to have their own interpretations. They're they're going to bring in their their faith traditions and their views. And so, just because somebody that's you know claims to be a Christian, you know, doesn't have your Christian views, doesn't mean that the Enneagram is is that you can't use it. Exactly. Uh, so I just I just go back to the fact that there's lots of authors authors out there, and you can't throw the the baby out with the bathwater just because there's <laughs> one right. that doesn't you know agree with with everything that you uh, believe so amen great point another objection out there is that it's not scientifically validated and i just want to point out that no one actually owns the enneagram (laughs) uh there was actually you know ichazo and his group the eureka group actually um sued helen palmer uh, a few decades ago for copyright infringement and the U.S. court uh, said that that the Enneagram, there was no clear evidence that the Enneagram belonged to anybody. Uh, wow. And so uh, she she kind of got away with it. And therefore, all these books have been written about it. And there's no there's no copyright. Uh, and so I think that's really good to pay attention to because it's not like Gallup writing the Strengths Finders and yeah. Gallup, you know, can make a lot of money, millions of dollars off of this the Strengths Finder book. And so they've just invested millions of dollars in R&D for that test, you know, um, but no one owns the Enneagram. And so no one had, you know, no one wants to put in millions of dollars to scientifically validate it in the, yeah. in the kind of validation that people want uh, because no one owns it. No one stands to, to benefit from that, putting that sort of mm-hmm. money, money in. And so I, but I have in my research come across tons of PhD research dissertations uh, smaller studies, and just in our own personal experience uh, of teaching the Enneagram and coaching, I know for you, Ben, too, we found it so helpful. And it is very self-validating uh, when you go through it and take your team through it. Yes. So just from personal experience, we can yeah. say it's very, very helpful and self-validating. Yeah. Yes. It's almost like saying the, the idea of counseling, you know, someone does not own counseling, but counseling can be used for for good, <laughs> it can be used biblical ways, and it can be used in a non-biblical worldview. So that's pretty cool. I, I think it's pretty cool that no one owns the Enneagram. <laughs> and, you know, God's still showing us ways to use the tool that, that make a difference in ministry, too. Yeah, and we're continuing to develop it. Uh, yep. You know, just as Naranjo was using Freud and Carl Jung, and you know he's he's talking about Freud's defense mechanisms and his books, and he's pulling in uh, um, Karen Hornet is the one who initially talked about the stances of moving with, moving against those those stances. Like that came from her, uh, from an American psychologist. So we're continuing to do work on that and understanding how it applies to kids and in the business and the workplace. And so it's continually growing and expanding, which is, which is great. Uh, but one big objection is that the Enneagram was formulated by spirits. Oh my! <laughs> it's a very serious thing to think about. You know, Paul said to test everything. And so we have to look at the history. We have to um, literally test everything if we're going to be faithful Christians and there are some things that have been said by Chazo Naranjo that are problematic. And so just as Christians, we need to do our work of figuring out what's true, what's not true, uh, if we're going to use this tool. Yeah. The first objection is that sort of we shouldn't use it because Chazo got it from an arch, archangel Metatron. And this is actually a rumor. 
Uh, I was doing just a deep dive this past couple months and it just sounded strange. You know, uh, Metatron almost sounds like a transformer, you know, it just sounded so weird. (laughs) (laughs) And I agree. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that that rumor goes back to uh, one of the Jesuits who found out later that this is one of the problems is that when the Jesuits learned it, they weren't told the history of the Enneagram. Uh, so they they were just learning it in their school of theology, but they didn't have any context or background of it. But then when they did find it out, uh, it, they, they kind of swung on a pendulum towards be, uh, being against it. Not a lot of them, just a few of them. And one of the Jesuits, I think, sort of perpetuated this rumor that, that he had gotten it from an arch, archangel named Metatron. And then Ichazo came out with a letter. It's called A Letter to the Transpersonal Community. And in that letter, he refuted it and saying, no, that's just a rumor. Uh, I didn't receive it from any archangel uh, or any sort of divine revelation. I, th- this is scientific to me. And uh, that's that's what it is. Uh, so that refutes that uh, objection. <laughs> yeah, yep. that's right. There's another problematic claim that Naranjo made. So his student, uh, Claudio Naranjo, so in a, in a 2010 June interview, and you can see it on YouTube, uh, Naranjo claims that he got the Enneagram from automatic writing. Uh, and so if you look automatic writing up, I had to look it up. I had no idea what automatic writing meant. Uh, it's sort of like the Christian version of prayer and meditation. So if you are a new ager, uh, automatic writing is sort of a way that you sort of meditate, uh, channel your thoughts, and try to put things on paper as you sort of pray and meditate. So it's a, it's like a way to bring out things from your conscience that are sort of hidden that you can't access, uh, or it can actually be trying to listen to a spirit. And so this is really problematic that, that Naranjo said that. Um, but as I've sort of done a deep dive and explored his life and his writings, um, I just don't think he was, I don't think he was telling the truth. It, it's kind of odd that he didn't make that claim until 40 years after beginning to teach the Enneagram. Wow. And so none of his students had ever heard, none of his students had ever heard him say that. None of his, uh, mm-hmm. no, nobody was aware of that, you know? And he said, he said it just off the cuff in a, in a YouTube interview in 2010, you know, in the last decade of his life. It's really interesting. And Beatrice Chestnut, who is a Enneagram expert out there, she's not a Christian. She was actually talking with Jeff and Beth McCord of your Enneagram coach and she doesn't think he was he was telling the truth. She said, "Yeah, he was a bit of a trickster." Interesting. Uh, he's he's kind of quirky like that of saying things off the cuff, and so I don't think we should put a lot of weight into into saying that. <laughs> and I think it's sort of a, a a sort of a power play. Like if I were to tell you guys, "Hey, I wrote these books. I got it from God. Like God like inspired me to write these books." There's sort of a, some spiritual weight behind that. And I think that that's what Naranjo was trying to do is saying, you know, this wasn't just man-made, but like, you know, I got this through automatic writing. I channeled something powerful, powerful to be able to write it. But, you know, yeah, Moses got the Ten Commandments out of thin air, you know, from, <laughs> from God, from a revelation and came to, came down the mountain. But Naranjo can't really make that claim because he was a he was a Ph.D. student who studied personality types. 
And even in his books, he's, he's sharing exactly where he's getting this stuff from. He says, I, I got this from Achazo, and I'm learning this from Freud. I'm learning this from Carl Jung. I'm learning, like he, he even lists all of his sources as to how, as he's formulating the enneotypes. So I just don't think that it's it just, the evidence doesn't show that the Enneagram came out of thin air from spirits. Yeah. Uh, that's just my, my personal opinion. So I think there's been too much uh, weight put on that one statement that off the cuff statement that Naranjo made and people are using it now as a knee jerk reaction to sort of go against using the Enneagram. And it's just, it's uh, all the evidence points in the opposite direction. That's very good point. Yeah. And there's a few, a few other objections here is people say it's the Christian pentagram. (laughs) (laughs) And I would say that the pentagram actually has five points and the Enneagram has nine points. So it's boom. Uh, (laughs) They're completely different. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Another objection is that it's astrology, mm-hmm. uh, Christian astrology. And in my research, the astrology piece didn't come till later. There was two p- people in particular, uh, Hel- Helen Palmer and another guy who tried to overlay their knowledge of astrology onto the Enneagram. But again, that didn't come up through the ages. That was just two people who love astro- astrology trying to, trying to make connections. Mm-hmm. And I've read their connections and I just, it's not convincing to me as a Christian who's someone who knows the Enneagram. Well, uh, there, there's just a lot of differences between the the astrological signs and the types that they're mm-hmm. trying to, to force together. Mm-hmm. So I'm not convinced by that. And really those are, those are the, some of the most common objections. I'll just stop there for the sake of time and um, <laughs> I'll let you guys weigh in on the conversation. This is awesome stuff. No, I appreciate it. Um, I know we, we say, you know, it's important to research something that you think may not align with the gospel before putting your stamp of approval on it or disapproval on it. That's right. I mean, at, at the bridge, we, and if you really knew me podcast, we say that the Enneagram is a tool. It's a tool to diagnose, but Jesus is always the treatment. And we constantly try to remind people of that. Do your kids love listening to great stories? It can be tough finding a kids podcast which upholds your Christian values. Story Jumpers features exciting, entertaining stories by authors who write from a Christian worldview. Each episode is created with kids in mind. Audiobook clips are followed by a brief author interview your kids will find fascinating. This is a podcast for kids. Subscribe to Story Jumpers wherever you listen to podcasts. Story Jumpers is a member of the Bridge Podcast Network. Um, spiritually speaking, Tyler, how would, how is using the tool of the Enneagram different when it's used from a, with a biblical worldview? Yeah, that's a really important question. And so I think the goal for us as Christians is to know God. Um, that's the primary goal. From a non-biblical Enneagram worldview, it's to know yourself. That's the goal. Mm-hmm. So sort of go into self-introspection and get to know yourself. Uh, whereas we're like, we're, we're disconnected from God. Sin has separated us from God, and we are trying to get back to him. And to know him. The biblical worldview says that we are created in God's image, mm-hmm. uh, but that we also have a sinful nature. Uh, from a non-biblical Enneagram worldview, says that we're basically good. Uh, so just a difference, a difference there. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the fall, we would say as Christians that we've fallen from our original union with God, mm-hmm. and that the result is sort of the development of coping mechanisms such as idolatry, you know, having God substitutes. Uh, or legalism, you know, good moral behavior. And those, those two things can, can separate us from God. From a non-biblical Enneagram worldview, the view goes like this, that we've fallen from our original essence. The result 
being that we've developed coping mechanisms such as vices, passions, to use the, the language of the Enneagram, sort of we've, we, we were perfect and we've sort of fallen from perfection. We can uncover that perfection that's still lying underneath it all. Uh, if that makes, if that makes sense. Yes. Yes. True transformation comes from God. And we, we just need to keep our focus on that. Like, I think the Enneagram is a really good tool to reveal some areas that we need serious help in <laughs> and also reveal the characteristics that God put in us that he uses as, as gifts for us to bless others. But we need to like keep our eyes always going back to him for the, the transformation. Exactly. Believe that Jesus liberates us from the bondage of our sin but when it comes to a non-biblical Enneagram worldview, uh, we liberate ourselves from the bondage of our own sort of ego and false personality. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of our self-savior. And then the change, like you mentioned, is it, the power source is the Holy Spirit. Yep. Uh, whereas in a non-biblical Enneagram worldview, we have to be the power source. We have to muster up the change to become a new new you. And then the, most importantly, the truth source we believe is our is the Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though we're using the Enneagram and benefiting from the Enneagram, there are truth sources, the Bible. And we believe that we can find truth in the world because of common grace, uh, but ultimately must come under the authority of the Bible. Yes. Uh, whereas from a non-biblical Enneagram worldview, the the truth source is sort of higher knowledge. Mm-hmm. It's uh, We can find the truth within ourselves uh, by means of spiritual revelation, uh, but ultimately we have the authority to decide what's true and what's not true which is different than us as Christians submitting to the truth of, of the Bible. So th- those are some things I like to point out to Christians uh, as they enter into any Enneagram, just to have a you know biblical worldview. Yes. That's awesome. How have you personally been using the Enneagram in your life and in your ministry? Yeah. So I use it in uh, premarital counseling and the last two couples that I've had are actually the same exact combination as me and my wife, Lindsay. <laughs> so I'm a three and she's a type six. And literally the last two couples I've had were three and six. <laughs> and it's fun to be able to, to use the Enneagram because, you know, threes can be kind of naive. You know, we could just hope for the best and, you know, that sort of thing. And oftentimes we tell people, don't worry, don't worry. It's not a big deal. And we can shove <laughs> things under the rug. And the sixes are the opposite. Yes. The sixes are the worriers. You know, what, what if this goes wrong? And so as soon as I knew what, what types they were, you know, I asked the girl who's a type six, I said, does he ever tell you, you know, don't worry. About it. And she's like, all the time, <laughs> you know? And so it just, it's just like, I call it sniper sanctification. Uh, I heard that term from a, a, pa- a pastor before. Yeah. It just puts the crosshairs on certain things. It's about probabilities, not absolutes. Mm. You can't look at the Enneagram as like telling you absolutely who you are. Yeah. Uh, we're talking, it's psychology. We're talking in terms of probabilities. Like if you're a type three, like we are, Kim, there's a high probability that we are going to struggle with our image and be image conscious, you know, and a number of other things, not just achievers, but we have an image problem. And so it's saying, Hey, Hey, look, look at all these things that have, you have a high probability of struggling with. And it doesn't mean you struggle with them all. It means you have to let the Holy spirit Mm -hmm. uh, do the work of putting his finger on those issues. And then you, dealing with them and you um, seeking formation in in those things. Uh, So all that to say, it's been really, it's it's helped me to get, make progress faster in premarital. We talk about it on our staff team nearly, you know, daily, weekly. It's been really helpful to, to really depend on one another as we learn about each other. 
Uh, and then in business, I've been using it and with business teams in our city, and it's been really, really helpful and just getting traction. Our team has used it, and I feel like it's just been life changing business team wise because we we know how to interact with each other better. We know how to be more respectful when we approach someone with questions, or if we disagree about something, we kind of can get a better understanding of their perspective. So I agree. I think it's it can be used in so many ways and just be extremely helpful and help us draw closer to each other because we get each other more. We understand each other more. So I love that part. That's right. Yeah. If we can leave the spot that we're standing just for a moment to look at the perspective of somebody else and their motivation, which is what the Enneagram is all about, um, then we have a little more grace. And, you know, one of the big things, so I'm a type two and so twos, threes, and fours can have an image problem. Um, my mind is my image of being helpful and needed and all. So today was a, a great example pre uh, preparing for this podcast. Uh, Kim came down and she just knew right where I was at and uh, <laughs> just prayed, get, speak a little bit of that logic back into the situation and <laughs> we were good to go. That's right. So some people have said to me, I don't want to be put in a box. Do you feel that the Enneagram is too boxy for people? I, I believe that it's a tool that can be misused by people who can make it boxy and put other people in a box. That's not why it was originated. You know, like that's not how it started. And he, like I said, even a Chazo, so Gurdjieff and a Chazo didn't think that you could be any one type. You weren't in a box. It wasn't until Naranjo came up with the Enneatypes that he said, you can be this mm -hmm. one number, uh, one point on the diagram. That's as close as to being put in a box as you can. Yeah. But as you guys know that if you've been teaching the Enneagram, it's very dynamic. It's a very dynamic tool. So you grow, you know, you, when you're a two, like yourself, uh, you will move towards the healthy side of the four uh, when you're healthy. Uh, or when you're stressed, you'll move to the unhealthy aspects of the eight. Uh, so it's just very, very, very dynamic. And I would, I would say that mm -hmm. all of the lines and the arrows and the, the paths of the Enneagram are all starting places. Yeah, uh, It's all a starting point to your growth. And you can move in every, every direction uh, on the Enneagram. So so again, you have to, as a Christian, you have to hold it loosely. It's not doctrine. It's not inerrant, uh, but it is a very helpful map, very helpful tool. And uh, anybody that sort of types you and uses it yeah. to tell you what you are, tell you what your identity is, they're just misusing it. And the problem is not in the Enneagram, it's in, it's in them. Yeah. If you consider I'm a two with a three wing and a one wing who goes to eight and four and stress and security, and that's a box, then I'm in a box. No. <laughs> but um, no, I, I have, you're going to learn so much from the, the types that you pull from, which I think is, is the point. We learn from each other and there's a part that we're strong in and there's blind spots. And so sh shining light on those blind spots um, just really helps. Um, so what would you say to someone who is considering connecting people to the gospel using the Enneagram? Well, I've given sort of a lot of time and attention in my books to applying the gospel uh, to the Enneagram and uh, connecting it to biblical themes and biblical characters. Uh, and so the, it's it's really fun work to be to be a part of. And I think just as 
we talked about sniper sanctification. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you can also use sniper encouragement. Yeah. <laughs> you can figure out quick, even quicker, how to encourage people with the gospel. You know, um, so I just got done with uh, the type two uh, forty day devotional. Uh, so I'll have to send you a copy, uh, Ben. <laughs> That's awesome. But I think you know one of the ways that the gospel really encourages. Uh, you, Ben, or type twos, is that you're you're not loved for being useful, um, you, but you're loved for whose you are. You know, you're not loved for how much you do for other people, but you're just simply loved for who you are uh, in Christ. Uh, and so it, you can very quickly begin to just speak encouraging words over people if you know if you know their enneagram type. Yeah. Uh, and for, for us, Kim, as well, it's, it's not about what we do, about what we achieve, about being the best. Uh, that's not where we get our worth. Um, oftentimes, our, our career and what we're doing, like you said, you are a worship leader. Oftentimes, those can be like an extra limb that we grow. Yeah. Yeah. If you start poking at the way that Kim led worship, you know, yeah. it can be very hurtful because yeah. it oh, yes. feels like an extra limb. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like you're, and if you're poking, criticizing her work, it feels like you're criticizing her. Yeah. Um, but the, the Enneagram helps you to see that, no, our, our identity is is not in our performance and our work mm-hmm. and our and our successes, but that we are loved even when we're failures. Yeah. That Jesus didn't just die for our crafted image self, best image self, but he died for us when we were at our worst, you know. And so the gospel connections are endless yeah. uh, that you can get into. So I would just encourage you to find resources and go to trusted people like your Enneagram coach that you did, Ben, mm-hmm. find trusted sources to go to, to, to continue to learn those gospel insights. Yeah. I don't know if that was kind of the gist of your question, but yeah, that's perfect. And I, I also think that you can use the Enneagram to help people know why they were created the way that they are, because if God has a vision for your life, he created you the way he did on purpose. So, and I know in your, um, your PDF resource, you refer to the reflections of God. So it's like Tyler, when God wanted people to get a glimpse of the hope that he can bring, I created you. Mm -hmm. And so part of the, the job to do for a type three is to bring hope. You know, people look to you and they're hopeful now because of the perspective that you bring. And I love those little ways that you can say, well, this shows how you were created. And I know God created you on purpose. So I think this has something to do with what you're supposed to be doing. And um, so I love that. That's, that's great answer. So Tyler, you, you literally done a devotional for nine types is what you're saying. A 40 day devotional that had to be a massive labor of love right there. It is. That's what I call it. A labor of love. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just, again, love encouraging people and with the gospel, I love. So, you know, all of them are through a gospel grid, through affirming you with the gospel and also challenging you as well. Mm. Uh, and so even in the introductions, I talk about the lies that you believe and then the, the ways that the gospel challenges those lies, you know. And so I've written... Uh, I'm coming out with the type two book in November here of 2022, and that will be the book number six that's completed. And then I have three more to write after that, but it's it's about five and a half year project that I'm working on. So I've done the type three, type nine, type four, type six, type one, and then now type two will be coming out. The whole goal is to help people to 
feel seen, uh, to know God and to grow faster because there's a million books on spiritual growth, but why browse through a million on Amazon when you can find one that was written specifically for you? I love that. I cannot wait to dive into the three book. I'm just going to tell you. <laughs> so where can, where do folks go to get copies of the devotionals? That, that's their type. Yeah. So I self-published and so all of them are Amazon right now. They'll eventually be in bookstores, but I'm kind of waiting until the end of the series to do that. Uh, so you can just go on Amazon and search for my name, Tyler Zock, uh, or uh, the gospel for achievers that, Probably the simplest simplest way to do it was just go to my my website where I have a link to all the books. So it's gospelforenneagram.com. So gospelforenneagram.com. And they can pick up that copy of Should Christians Use the Enneagram, that PDF that's free on my website. Yes. Um, and a uh, link to the books as well. That PDF is such a good tool. I, I, was, I know you and I were chatting before that, but it's just got such good meat in it. Um, and I think a lot, of, and, and it's a quick read. And I think a lot of people would get um, some good info out of that. What if someone wanted to contact you? What would be the best way to connect with you? Uh, Tyler at gospel for Enneagram.com. And then I'm also on Instagram. I've been on there for a couple of years and that's kind of where the party's at. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at gospel for Enneagram is my handle there. And then just started a okay. YouTube channel because I want to continue to give free content, you know, in video form. And so gospel for Enneagram on YouTube as well. That's awesome. And I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and all of those things. We are in a video world. So that's pretty cool that you're doing that on YouTube. I love it. And I'm coming out with an e-course soon on the origins of the Enneagram, giving a timeline from, you know, BC with Homer all the way through the Middle Ages up till now, because I really do want to help Christians to understand, you know, where sources were pulled from mm -hmm. to create the Enneagram and why it's what I think as a pastor, it's safe to, to be able to use it if used properly. So that'll be coming out in a couple months on my website. I'm going to be following that. <laughs> so uh, just kind of as we wrap up, is there any other final thoughts that you would just like to share with our listeners? Uh, I think just reiterating what I said before that to view the Enneagram not as a, an errant tool that's on the same level as the Bible, just hold it very loosely. Yeah. Uh, as you're there's some things that I don't buy into, like some of the uh, theories on childhood uh, and how, how we were developed in childhood and some of those lies from childhood. And there, there's different teachings out there that I'm like, yeah, maybe, uh, but I'm going to just kind of hold that for, for a little while. Uh, I'm not just going to take it all as is inerrant. So hold it loosely and realize that your, your type is just the best uh, guess uh, for an archetype, for a, for personality type. There's, there could be, you know, 100 or there could be a thousand or there could be, you know, it's it just, it, but I think it's a great attempt at sort of coming up with nine archetypes that really do hit on some of those core yeah. values and core fears really, really um, powerfully. And that's why it's kind of eerily accurate is it's, it's just, it's a really well done tool, but it's just yeah. a tool. So be, be cautious, be discerning, be flexible with it. I love that. I love that. I, we're so glad that you were, took time out to join us today. I know, uh, I know our listeners are going to get a lot out of this content and uh, listeners just so you know, we'll make sure that we have Tyler's contact information, his website, all in the show notes. So you can get all that good information there. Um, Something I just want to leave us with is is what something was that was in your ebook that said self awareness should not make us self absorbed but more consumed with becoming the reflection of God's image we were made to be. Ooh, that is a great statement there. That's awesome. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
So thanks again to everybody for joining us. Uh, be sure to subscribe if you really knew me so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. Until next time. Awesome. God bless.